This is the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast, where we talk about leadership and influence and their role in advancing the kingdom of God. I'm Adam Hoke, and we're so thankful that you're with us today. Thanks for making this time investment with us. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to our podcast. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I serve as the director of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. Thank you for investing your time with us on this episode. Our guest today is Sharon Smith, who, with her husband, Larry, have been serving the people of Bangladesh since 1979. Welcome, Sharon. We are re- we're really so happy to have you on this episode with us. Thank you, Rick. It's an honor to be with you today. You know, Doorways has partnered with us for decades, especially in the area of training leaders in ministry. And you and Sheila have been good friends going back, I think, to 1988. A long time. That's for sure. Probably 1988 is right. Well, I was looking through some biographical information that you sent to me, and, and I have to admit, Sharon, it's a little intimidating, if not to others, at least to me, because with the Lord's help over the years, you and Larry have founded the Home of Hope and the Hope Mission School and Bible Campus Ministries. You've served as the principal and founding member of two mission schools. You've assisted with national church ministries and activities. You've served on numerous ministry boards. You're part of the advisory boards of the Home of Hope and Hope Mission School and HEART, H-E-A-R-T, and Crosspoint. All of these have individually separate ministries, but they're all a part of reaching people in Bangladesh. And then on the USA side of the world, you're the president of Hope Generation. That's a nonprofit that serves the fund projects in Bangladesh, as well as uh, with sponsorship programs. So that, my friend, is really quite a lot of opportunity and responsibility. Just wondering, have I missed anything? I don't think so, but I'm glad you said with the Lord's help, because I would only add with his direction and that most of these were co-founded with with Larry, my very visioneering husband. Absolutely. You and Larry together have done this. And again, together with Larry, Larry didn't do it by himself, and neither did you. And the two of you didn't do it by yourselves. The Lord helped. And perhaps hundreds of partners across the world that have also been part of helping to make these ministries possible. I think it's appropriate that I mention early on what drives you, Sharon. You told me that your passion is to raise up a generation to serve God. Can you share with us about that? Sure. Raising a generation isn't really a new idea, but being intentional and making it a choice is up to each one individually. When we first arrived in Bangladesh, our church Christian community was much smaller than it is today. And the thinking was very different. When you go back a few generations, groupthink was huge. But within that was the idea that your part in that group think was the level that you would stay in, that you don't think for yourself or don't think outside the box. Also, don't make a lot of choices for your own life and don't question authority who will make choices for your life. And this was not just an administrative idea. It would, it played out in society, including parents choosing your spouse. So in the church, it played out with the idea to do religion versus following a loving God who wants to be personal. So through a long set of events, too long for today, God led us to start a ministry training program that turned into the Bible school and the children's home. And in the children's home, we have had the opportunity to change that group think, at least to 
or at least make a dent in it. It takes time, but we've seen the results of that change and it drives us to continue to to raise up the next generation. You're raising leaders, but how are you doing that? What are the steps that you're taking to raise a generation of Christ followers in what I would think is a difficult place? Well, it's, it's more difficult in some ministries than others. When you're training adults and teaching adults, there's already been a shift. There's always been seeds planted on how to do things. And yet through the Bible school training, we've trained over 300 students, many who are now in ministry, pastors, district and national executive leaders. Right now, we have 27 young men and women who are being discipled. And in a couple of months, we're going to take on 25 more to join them. So there is a possibility for raising a next generation there. The home was a little different in that we had longevity and the age we take kids at is seven and under. So we actually do have the opportunity to to raise them up. One of the outcomes of the home was when after a generation was raised up, many of our kids actually came back and they said, we want to join you to raise up this next generation. Our home on-site staff are actually now over 85% of them are kids that grew up in the home that have come back and are now adults. Now we have, we have other kids that grew up in the home that are making changes wherever God's planted them in, in Bangladesh and literally the world. But it's a great opportunity to change, not just change thinking, but raise up a generation for God. And by the way, you're raising some pretty sharp kids. Some of them scholastically, academically, you know, technically. Tell me about some of them. We have one young lady. She just texted me last night because she wants to see us before she and her husband leave for Australia um, because they were given scholarship to work on their master's there. Wow. Um, We have another young lady that is nursing in Hong Kong. So we have we have various kids in various parts of the world. But even within Bangladesh, we have our IT person that helps us is a young man that works for the Bible Society. And he has risen to the level that actually Bangladesh Bible Society sends him out to different countries in Asia to train their staff. Yeah, it's amazing. But it is. It is. There may be one young lady who did a degree in accounting or finance or something and tested like the highest in the nation? Yes. Yes. She was amongst the two percentile, I think, of those who tested out. Her name's Shuli. She did just amazing. The whole Christian community. And when I say Christian community, we're including Catholic, Baptist, everything. They were also very proud that a Christian was in that percentile. Absolutely. So, yeah, she's it's a driven woman. So interesting to see them coming from this children's home that is training these kids in every way, and not the least of which is academically. True. Good for you. It might be smart for us to share some important statistics with listeners about Bangladesh. Some of these are a little, they just sound like numbers. And if if we try to put them in perspective, that's going to help. So Bangladesh, uh, I just looked last night, they're a nation of about 170 million people that live together in a landmass the size of the state of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Now, that's about half of the population of the United States all yes. living in the state of Arkansas. A lot it, of people. It's a lot of people. It's the eighth most populous nation with nearly 3,000 people per square mile. So places that are more populated are places like 
Hong Kong city states, Singapore, mm-hmm. those places that that yeah. are more populated because they have these high rises that people live in. But mm-hmm. but considering the size of the nation, eighth most populous, it's a very small Christian minority. Totals about one third of one percent of the entire population, which means then that there's about five. 100,000 people that are Christians. And when we say Christian, we're talking about people from a variety of Christian backgrounds. This is not just Protestant evangelical. These are Catholic, they're Baptist, they're Presbyterian, and about 500,000. Yep. Are there any other statistics you think will help us to understand that task that's set before you? No, you have you have painted a good picture there. That's I I one time uh, was was speaking at a church and talked about the number of rickshaws that there were in the nation, <laughs> and people were kind of surprised at that. I don't have that number with me anymore. <laughs> I remember one time Larry used to say the population of the city of Dhaka was around. Was it around at that time? It was nine million people. It's more yeah. now. And that 9 million people lived in an area, the city of Dhaka, that was about the size of the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. Yes. It's just astounding. Yes, and, and then he also goes on, and I don't know all the states, but if you take North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Wyoming, yeah, it, and there's about a list of about seven U.S. states that if you put them in that, in that landmass the size of DFW, that's what our capital's like. Sharon, as you know, this is the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast. So tell us, and it may be different in the context of Bangladesh, how do you define leadership? And then if you can, compare that leadership, compare, contrast leadership to influence. You would well know that there's many definitions and views out there on what exactly leadership and influence is. But for me, living in a foreign context, leading those who are much younger than me, Leading and influence kind of walk hand in hand. And I feel like I try to do this through example. As a woman and as a foreigner, I get watched way more than normal. But what an opportunity also to show Christ in my actions and the way I handle administration. So I try to set a good example while encouraging at the same time the next generation to emulate Christ that I hope I'm showing in my, in my actions. So influence becomes for me, becomes the vehicle of leadership. You say you want to lead and influence so that others can follow. So just open Mm -hmm. up on that a little bit. What does that look like? They're following what? Mm. Hopefully following Christ. (laughs) Hopefully, because I do make my share of mistakes. But and and here I would say, look at look at how Jesus led and influenced. He purposely chose 12, not the masses. He poured his time and teaching and training into them by example. His purpose was for them to break out of their religious mode and culture and know God on a personal level on a daily basis and for them to do even greater works. So his goal was to leave them prepared, not just for that generation, but to continue the task and lead and influence their next generation. So I feel like we're here today because of Jesus' impact on what wasn't just for one generation, but for future generations. And we just get the opportunity to use our roles as influencers and as leaders to do the same thing for this generation. I, I would add to that. I think of what the Apostle Paul says to follow me as I follow mm-hmm. Christ. Exactly. And so the reality is it's really incumbent on that. The burden is really on us to make certain yeah. that we are the Christ followers if we're asking others to follow our example, 
and we're trying to point them to Christ, but yet they're seeing us. It's a big job you have. There's actually a book out there called uh, Lead So Others Can Follow. And I thought, wow, that's really in a few words what, what we're trying to do. And sometimes leadership seems more about success, success of a product or a title or status in society or a dollar sign. So leading so others can follow is all about raising up a generation who will take the ball and run and not being intimidated by their success. I really like and try to emulate the process. Dave Ferguson, I don't know if you've heard, you probably have, knowing you know a lot about leadership, but his idea is when you're managing what you, your life and in your, your work, you include, include others in your leadership. And he said, he's got this cycle of I do, you watch, I do, you help, you do, I help, you do, I watch, you do, someone else watches, and then the circle right. is complete and it continues. Yeah. So I love that really that's the leadership style Jesus had and we should have as well. Let me take a moment to remind our listeners that feedback really is important to us. If you have a suggestion for a guest or topic, if you would, please let me know. You can drop me an email at info at doorways.cc. We'll take a look and see how we can incorporate that into our podcast schedule. We really do appreciate both your feedback and your input. Sharon, John Maxwell says, becoming a leader is a lot like investing successfully in the stock market. If you hope to make a fortune in a day, you're not going to be successful. What matters most is what you do day by day over the long haul. Now, you and Larry have been in Bangladesh since 1979. That's 44 years. How often have you found instant success in the initiatives you started? And how many have taken nearly 44 years? <laughs> yeah. You know, you hear about businesses or ministries that people say, oh, it's an overnight success. But I dare say that if you ask the person behind us, that success, the visionaries, they would give you a very different story. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Godly success is not pleasing others, but pleasing God. And his requirements are pretty simple. Be faithful and obey. And so if we're not building our kingdom and we're building his, that's success. My part is to obey and leave the outcome to him. And I honestly believe that when we first arrived in Bangladesh, that I I really thought that in my lifetime, I was going to see Bangladesh saved. I really did. And I know some might think that's kind of foolish hope, but I really, I really believed it. Now, when I look back, and recently I told a few of our students this, that what, cons- what does constitute growth? What, what does constitute success? I can look at the fact that we had, when we first arrived, we had five churches, and we have now have over 500 churches plus an additional hundreds of outstations because our pastors don't just pastor one church, they pastor multiple campuses. And let me just drop in a thank you to Doorways because most of our students that went through our Bible school, you have sponsored. And so we thank you for that. This is a partnership. But also I I recently in talking with the students, I said, though I have not seen it in my lifetime, I feel that God has us here at this moment to see the eye and look into the eyes of young men and women who are going to do it, who are going to go even greater things. And that's, that's pretty neat. That is, that is really, really neat. Sharon, could you share a successful leadership and influence principle that you or you and your team adhere to? Sure. As a team, 
I'd say we most often are looking at to what is sustainable and what will help this generation and not hurt the next one. So that's kind of a principle we hold to in making our decisions. Personally, at this point in life, especially, I I look to the principle of leaving a mark for God. I don't want to leave my mark in my legacy. I don't want that. I want to leave the next generation with God's mark. So that's kind of where I'm at. You know, uh, I've heard heard it said, there is no success without a successor. In your situation, mm. you have scores of successors that you'd have had an opportunity to influence. And that speaks to me long-term about the success of your life and your ministry you've invested in Bangladesh. This I'm certain you've got some goals and objectives you'd like to achieve. Do you have what you need to attain them? If not, what's missing? Mm. Well, we want to leave the next generation as prepared as much as possible to complete the visions that God gives them. We realize God gave us visions and plans and purposes for our time. And they may have, God may have things for them that are way beyond us, but we want to leave them prepared for that. And a lot of that involves raising this generation to lead, but also have self-sustainability in place for both now and the future. And as far as what's missing, <laughs> I would say time. I, and I'm so proud to come back and come back and talk to you about that sustainability because I've seen many people in situations similar to yours that grow these amazing ministries. But the problem is, how do they continue after they're gone? And sustainability mm-hmm. is so important. You know, we used to refer to it as indigenous ministries. I think that sustainability mm-hmm. is even a better word. And mm. I'm I'm glad that that's been such an important part of your your lives over the years to see that and and to know that and to have an opportunity to hear a bit of how that's happening. That's pretty exciting. And again, Doorways has helped us in that sustainability. So thank you for that. Building it, we've well. been a, we've we've helped to play a small part, but I've learned this: we'll do all we can, but we can't do it all. And mm. if others will do the part that they can do, all of us together. Yeah then we can get the job done. And True. I'm glad we've had an opportunity to to play a part. Mm. Is there one thing you'd like to leave with us as it relates to leadership and influence? Mm. A few years ago, I had a conversation with the Bangladesh Assemblies of God chairman, and he was basically making a proposal to do a ministry that you could see was would be set up for success, especially financially. And so he was proposing that I maybe be involved in that. And he threw out the line that has made me cringe over the years. He said, after all, you want to finish well. (laughs) I said, you know, I don't. I want to finish obedient. My well done has nothing to do with what I have done, where I did it, how I led, how I influenced. But did I obey God's expectations of me? That's kind of been my byline recently is I want to finish obedient. Exodus 19.5 says, now, if you obey me fully, then out of the nations, you will be my treasured possession. So I would just encourage you and your network. Let's all just be found finishing obedient. I hope you enjoyed our podcast and I hope that you'll join us on future episodes. Please follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. Until next time, this is Rick Shields, and on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, this is my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after Him. Thanks for listening.